0: Father, I believe in the name of Jesus that this is a word that we need to hear today with open hearts, open ears, and open minds. I thank you, Father God, that you have a great plan for this church in 2018, beginning in 2018. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, the power of prayer and agreement is the greatest power we possess. And I pray in the name of Jesus that I will not share this building with any sickness, any disease, any depression any anxiety you go in the name of Jesus I thank you Lord for open ears and open hearts open minds open eyes and we just confessed that the words that you speak through my lips today Lord will be received without any hindrance. I thank you Lord that these people came out in the cold they came out in this weather Lord because when we gather together there's power in our togetherness and so Lord I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to heal set people free Save people today in Jesus' name, and if you're in agreement, say with me, amen. During our Christmas Eve service, um, I believe the Spirit of God spoke something to me. It wasn't part of my message today, but I was reminded that I gave you three words, and they're not part of my message, but I think they're appropriate for 2018, and I said it during our Christmas Eve service is that we can expect in 2018 a supernatural visitation from the Holy Spirit of God like never before I believe that God is going to demonstrate some things to us that we've never seen before and the sad part is there's going to be some separation going on we've seen that over the years It grieves my heart I don't know why but that's just the way it's working maybe people are being shifted where they belong I don't know all I know is that visitation demonstration, and separation. We're going to see that take place in 2018. Toward the end of every year, I have always sought the Lord for his direction, his wisdom and guidance of what the focus of the church should be for that year. Each year, the vision progresses. The other one doesn't go away. It just adds to it. And I believe the Lord spoke to the prophet Habakkuk something that still applies to today that is found in Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 I like what the the prophet says and I'll take responsibility for this I will stand upon my watch and I will set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved And the Lord answered me and said write the vision make it plain upon tables that he may run with it that reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it shall speak and not lie though it tarry wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry I wrote down that we need to be listening we need to believe we need to declare we need to be patient we need to be consistent and we need to be obedient to what the God with God is saying to us today it always amazes me how every church lately and every pastor, at least in a circle, that I don't know, try to imitate one another, whether it's a church or the pastor who think they're successful, and so we want to imitate. And maybe that church or that pastor has a lot of people or a beautiful building or a great music team or they're on TV or they start a lot of campuses that they think they're supposed to start, and yet the Word of God commands us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or the compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Well, I'm great, right? But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. I received that correction because I have to admit that that's what I did. We like to look at people on TV. We like to... See what's going on around us and say, well, if that's working there, maybe it's working here. And I noticed that I almost wore my jeans today, but I couldn't get into them. <laughs> because everybody else is wearing jeans. Stop wearing a tie because I can't button my shirts too much. And I said, I'm not, I'm not buying the next size up. But I noticed the platforms all look the same. I, I noticed this is antiquated because I should have a steel pole with a thing and a little table with a steel pole with a thing because that's what everybody else is doing. And the Lord said no. And I have to admit, I was a pastor like that. And, uh, I, th- and I was one of those people that people would ask me, why are you growing so fast? Uh, wh- How did you build that great building? How about that music team? And I would have thought they would have asked me, what have you done to win so many souls? We stopped counting at 8,000. We're going on 29 years. I thought they would have asked me that, or how do we change the lives of people? So over the last few years, I've come to stop looking at the competition to drop out of the contemporary search of what we think we need to do to make us grow and cause people to come and other pastors to be jealous. That's stupid. It's foolish. So I've grown to say, Father God, I hunger and thirst after you. After your will and not mine. I don't want to be part of what everybody else is doing. We, we pray on Thursday nights and we prayed this prayer. God has always started something somewhere. I want to be the somewhere. I want to do what you want us to do. I know what your will is. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. That's talking about winning souls, winning the lost, and then discipling them. And that takes years. And I commend you that have been here for years because you're being discipled by the Word of God. I'm being discipled by the Word of God. I don't want to attract people because we lure their flesh and we don't touch empty hearts. I I don't want people to make shallow decisions for Jesus Christ when in reality all they're doing is following the pleasures of the flesh coming only to listen to a great performance by a music ministry or, or have their ego tickled uh, with a lot of personal attention and then leave the church because they didn't get their way. They didn't get their seat. They didn't get their parking spot. They didn't get their cup of coffee. Or worse yet, they get offended by a truth that's coming from the pulpit. I guess that's where the separation comes in. I want to see our church be what the church was in the book of Acts, where people were saved by the thousands, They were healed. They were delivered. And fellow believers who were loyal, faithful, diligent to the leadership of the church and willing to serve others. And my heart cried to God for this desire. I believe the Spirit of God brought a scripture to mind. Wasn't really looking for it. But here it comes. Here it comes. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former things neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Another translation says, do you not perceive it? The Amplified Bible says, will you not give heed to it? The New Living Translation says, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Now, here's my question to God. Lord, how can I see something that isn't happening? You're asking me to perceive something, and you're saying we need to change some things. Well, how how can I perceive or see something when I don't see it? (laughs) And I believe the Lord was saying, I'm talking to you about remembering your past, about remembering the way things used to be, the good old days doing things that we did and still presently doing that don't result in the things that we want and what God wants. So I began to believe and understand what the Lord was saying to me. If he says I can know it and I can perceive it and I can see it, then it's got to be right here. It is where I can know, perceive, and see all that I need to know, all I need to perceive and see. It's in his word. So we go into the word of God. And what do we look for? We look for what God is saying. This is the thing I want you to do. I needed to go back and see what the church was doing that produced the results that I want to see. You may want to see. And more importantly, what God wants to see. So I prayed, Lord, show me. Didn't have to look too long. And the Lord showed me the following scripture. It's found in Acts chapter 2. In verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Very important place to be. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. We've talked about this so many times. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Say this. They were all with one accord and one place. Toward the end of last year, the Lord kept giving me the scripture and Brian knows uh, that we, we saw things that Pastor John was doing and the, even this morning, the scripture, that, that we, the scripture of the day was exactly what the Spirit of God had been giving me back in November. And it was a word together. Everybody say together. A better way to say it is together. That's what it means, together. And so I, I came to understand that, that I want to see what I saw in the book of Acts and what I see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 is that they all came together. They were with one accord in one place. This was the Spirit of God's answer to my cry. It's not what we think or what everybody else thinks we need to do to fulfill our vision or the mission or the statement of the church, which is what? To save the lost. We kept saying win the lost, but I kind of like save the lost, establish and discipline those that get saved, and to demonstrate the power of God, I'm sorry, the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God's way. This is a church of Jesus Christ that God has established. And if we don't see those results, what's going on? It's not having a church that grows because we're pulling people from other churches. Oh, we have a better music ministry? Do I get this? I... I've been to a church that was the fastest-growing church in 1987 in the country. We, 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 it was like, I don't want to say out of control, but when people asked me what you're doing, we were just Asking God Lord use us do what you want to do with us. We just want to see results And so I needed a title for this vision message and So this is what produced the incredible results and the power that saved the lost healed the sick and delivered those in bondage together with one accord and one place and that unfortunately seems to be the opposite, because a lot of vision, division, let's go here, let's let's do that, when God wants us in one place, in one accord, together, whether it's two, because where there are two or more together, I'm with them, we've got a lot more than two here. So beginning today, and however long it takes to explain what this means to me, as I research it, and to those who are the true and faithful, loyal, and diligent members of this local assembly, we're going to look at several things. Number one, what does this mean? Together, with one accord, in one place. Number two, what are the characteristics that we must possess to see this vision carried out? And three, what will be the results of this church being made of those who are in one accord, with one accord, in one place? It's exciting when you read about it. And what will be the enemies and the hindrances of us being in one accord in one place? Because that is the enemy's goal. That's what separation's all about. The enemy is going to separate, try to separate you. One thing I noticed in the word of God when, when, this, when the, the apostle talks about the devil, our enemy, it says he roams about as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. He's scary. As a roaring lion, right? What's he doing? He's seeking whom he may devour. And we need to say, you ain't going to devour me. But think about a lion. How does a lion hunt? I've seen enough stuff on Discovery and the Animal Channel, all that, that the, the enemy goes after the weak. That's the person that's not founded in the Word of God. I always say a person who doesn't go to church on a regular basis, who's not being taught the Word of God, is a half-baked Christian. And they're the most dangerous ones on the face of the earth because they tell other people what they think the Word says when in reality they're interpreting word by their interpretation and not what a man of God or woman of God appointed by God to teach them correctly. They're not going there. So they're like a lost chief. Somebody said, well, somebody left the church. You no, know, Jesus left the 99. They were lost. He didn't go after those. said, hasta la vista, pastor. I'm leaving. That's not a lost sheep. That's somebody that's made a full-blown decision to leave. Praise God. If that's what God's called you to do, that's okay. But a lost sheep will go after them. So what happens? When, someone be, when, it, when an animal thinks it's too cool to hang with the herd, it wanders off. And they do that. Because I've read about shepherds, well, they get these sheep that are rebels and they kind of wander off and they cause other sheep to lead them, follow them. And because they're separated and they're alone, they lose the protection of the flock, the herd, the together. And they become an open target for the enemy. And you know what's sad? I've seen people do that and they're out there and they think they know it or whatever, and the enemy attacks them and then they blame God. There's power in unity. There's power when we gather together. So when I studied the scripture, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I just want to whet your appetite with this powerful and supernatural occurrence because it says, They were all together with one accord in one place, and suddenly... Say that! Man, I don't know about you. I like those and suddenlies. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And you know what happened? These people, let me give you a little background. Jesus tells them after coming back from being dead, and people see him rise alive. There are going to be a lot of believers because I saw you dead, and now you're alive. You betcha I'm going to believe you are the Son of God. So he comes back, and for 40 days, he appears to his disciples, And there weren't just 12 or 11 at that point, folks. There were hundreds. And he tells them, I want you to go in Jerusalem, and I want you to tarry. I want you to wait, because I've got to go to heaven, and I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And so for a grueling 10 days, 10 days, I'm sure some left. 10 days they waited, and I guarantee you they were praying and they were in an atmosphere in, with one accord and one place with an expectancy that something was going to happen because Jesus said, where two or more of you are gathered together, I will be there. So they're waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. And so the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because they were together with one accord in one place. So you're going to whet your appetite there. The end suddenly came because of that act. Later, we're going to see the results of being in one accord in one place. We're going to see all the great supernatural and powerful things that happened when they were together with one accord in one place. When I studied the operation of the New Testament church in the book of Acts, I saw that the early church was based upon three things. I may find four as I continue to study, but right now, three things. The first and foremost was the preaching and the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I hope you come to church to receive the word of God. There will never be a church that will operate in one accord without the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. How do I know that? I found it in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And he gave, this is God, he gave. I read that ever. He gave. He gave pastors. God gives you a pastor after his heart, not yours, after his heart. And he gave some apostles, prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Here it is, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here it is, under the teaching of the pastor teacher, till we all come in the unity. Everybody say unity. See, that's with one accord. Because we're in one place. We get one message. And we come with one accord in unity, till we all come in one accord, a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, into a perfect man or a mature man, unto the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sleight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby thy light and lie in wait to deceive. Coming to church on a consistent basis is like reading an instruction manual. Can you imagine you got a big gift for Christmas and it comes with instruction manual, let's say 50 pages, and you read page one, then you slip to page 15, and then you slip to page 27. That's what happens when you miss. Because when the Spirit of God gives me a series, you're being edified, you're being unified, you're being instructed to come in the image of Jesus Christ. You know, I have people come to me and said, you know, I think we need some teaching on this. I'm going, are you kidding me? I taught in that for three weeks. Where were you? Oh. Or I read this in the Bible, and I believe it says this. It doesn't matter what you believe. I read stuff in the Bible until I went to church and heard the truth. I said, oh, my God, I'm way off. Way off. So we all come in the unity. The role of the pastor teacher, who may also serve, people have a hard time with this, as a prophet. These are are offices That may be giving at a specific time, at a specific place, for a specific occasion. I believe they're prophets. But a pastor teacher can also operate in that role because a prophet speaks forth the mind, will, and purpose of God, which I'm in there on my face saying, God, I don't want to say anything that's thought of you. I want to say what you want to say to your people. That's prophetic. The evangelist who's preaching and teaching will save the lost. Amen. People will be saved. In Jesus' name. And the apostle who begins the work in obedience to the calling of God. To go to a specific place at a specific time. To begin a work to teach and preach the word of God. Specifically targeted to his flock at the present time. God sends the pastors. Now we can pray and say, Lord, as they did in the New Testament. We'll see in a minute. Lord, who should we send here? But it has to be God-directed. Not hey, let's all start a church so-and-so. They usually don't last very long, and they get people off balance. The preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Specifically targeted to his audience. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God to those who obediently sit under the teaching, that'll bring maturity, and that'll bring unity. For without submission to their spiritual leader... And I'm not promoting me. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And obedience to what they're learning, if the Word of God, if you're not listening to it on a consistent basis, if you're not together with your brothers and sisters, you can't be in one accord. And that's why the Bible says, woe to those that sow discord among the brethren. Sudden calamity shall fall upon them. God hates discord. And so we're here to be in one accord. Later in this vision, I want to present to you the characteristics that are necessary for you and I to come to a mature, mature full maturity. I'm going to talk about the necessi- necessity of a person is spent to possess, and I can't wait to teach this, faithfulness, loyalty, allegiance, oh, words you don't hear a lot, and Diligence. That is necessary to maintain these qualities. Without these qualities, there will never be a church that operates in one accord. It's an interesting word, accord. I'm going to attempt to pronounce it in the Greek. It's homothararum. Say that ten times. You know what it means? With one accord, unanimously. Unanimously. It means to be of one mind. And this is what the spirit will have in his church and in this church. Not only people who are faithful and loyal, who possess an allegiance and the diligence to maintain those qualities, but they'll be in agreement with the whole word of God because that's what they're getting, the word of God under the teaching with their specific spiritual leader and with those other believers who are also faithful and loyal to their church. So the first and most important operation of that church of Jesus Christ is the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. I'll show you later that when they taught the Word of God, and when Jesus taught the Word of God, and Jesus is a man anointed with the Holy Spirit, it says that signs, wonders, and miracles followed the preaching of the Word. Why? Because it's the Word of God that brings us into one accord in one place and that's where God can move no division no strife as the message goes forth the faith level builds the expectancy builds the anticipation builds and people are sitting out there with cancer or diseases or, 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 or depression or whatever that's not of God begin to have their faith elevated and we may not have to lay hands on them but they get healed why because we're together with one accord in one place. The second operation that was key to the true church of Jesus Christ is community, together. Together, that's what it means, together, together. With one accord in one place. This was the assembling of the saints together in one place. Even after Jesus Christ came back from the dead. And even after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was no one place yet, but they went to to the one place they knew to go to, the synagogue, the temple. Remember the story of Peter and John? They're on their way to prayer? Where? Not in so-and-so's Bible study, not this home, that home. They went to the gathering place that they knew that God ordained. At that time, the New Testament church was about to be born. They went to the temple. Remember? Remember? at the gate beautiful, and as they entered in, they saw the beggar there, and they healed him in the name of Jesus, because they were going to be together in one place with one accord. This was the assembling of the saints, not people who float from church to church, Bible study to Bible study. There's where allegiance comes in. Here's a word the Spirit of God gave me that I never saw before, and I'll tell you where it came from. Several years ago, probably most of you may not have been here, we had some people that separated, went their way, and they went in a bad way. This is a way back, not recently. This is way back. Happens to a lot of churches. Uh, Basically felt like I got stabbed in the back. And they left. And people that were still in the church said, oh, yeah, we hang out with them, and we, yeah, come on. We have to love them and love them. And you know what? I couldn't stand being around the people. And I said, God, forgive me. I know they hurt me, but i got to forgive. And this is what the Spirit of God pointed me to this scripture verse. Proverbs 24, 21, and 22, Amplified Bible. My son, reverently fear the Lord and the king, that's the leader, and do not associate with those who are given to change of allegiance and are revolutionary. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knows the punishment and ruin which both the Lord and King will bring upon the rebellious. I'm not causing a curse to come on somebody. I'm not saying I hate your guts. If you got a flat tire, I'll come help you change it. But I'm not going to come and visit you and kiss on you like nothing went wrong. Change of allegiance. Well, how do you know if that was a change of allegiance directed by God? Because I see the after effects of it. Moving on. With one accord in one place. What's that mean, one place? A spot-limited This is a definition out of the Bible, a spot limited by occupancy. In other words, with walls of containment, that one place, it's a location or a room. And this word place comes from the same word Jesus used when he said in John 14, 2, I go to prepare a place for you. In 1976, I went to, to the altar at 11 years of age. I wasn't taught the word of God. I was no idea what was going on, so I probably really wasn't born again. But in 1976, sitting in my car in a, in a parking lot of Rickles, remember Rickles? I was listening to this guy on the radio, and he said, you need, to need, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then something inside me, I knew I needed. I was successful. I wasn't a down and outer. I was successful. I was happy. Everything, but I knew there was a hole in here. And I had just enough of Jesus. I wasn't going to church. You know what I was? When I received Jesus at the age of 26, you know what people say? Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. What religion are you? Ready for this? I'm a universalist. Seriously, I'm a universalist. I didn't even know what it meant, but I thought it meant that God's everywhere. Oh, God, I love you. Sorry. (laughs) God's in this leaf. Oh, God. I didn't need to go to church. I didn't need anybody. I I loved God when I went fishing. I loved God when I went hunting. I loved God at work. I just, I don't need you. I love God. And I I had developed this kind of a, uh, I know more than you do attitude. My wife was attending, my late wife was attending the Catholic church. I'm not kidding around. It had to be 500 feet from my front door, and I would not go. I was a universalist. Me and God. And for you nowhere where with you guys, I don't need you. And there's a lot of people out there like that. They can't submit to anybody, and that was me. And then something happened to me. The Spirit of God began to speak to me, and I knew I needed to go to church. I began to realize I needed to be in one place. I was confined a church no yes together in or into one group one place this is a definition in or into contact and union I mean I how to be around other people at the same time still a definition or in or into agreement cooperation and a more unified, stable relationship. Oh, i got to go to church. Because when we gather together, and we're with one accord, because you're getting the word, in one place, God's going to move. Watch this. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is the early disciples. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and all had things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily, woo daily. Aren't you glad we only have to meet once a week? Or twice a week they continued daily with one accord in the temple breaking bread from house house head fellowship and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God having favor with all the people and the Lord this one jumped out at me and the Lord and the Lord added to the church daily as many as should be saved the Lord added Lord said start coffee Give coffee, have a McDonald's, do a Starbucks, have a 2,000-piece orchestra, have four hours of worship and praise. The Lord added, why? Because all they did was come together in one accord, in one place. They're being taught the word of God. They're in unity. And they prayed. Together. The third and most important thing I saw, in the, not by, this is not by degree, this is the third thing. Most important thing in the New Testament church that produced the most powerful results was not worship. In fact, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament, you know, hear me out here, because I love worship, I mean our, our singing. If I, it, I don't see, when I looked at the word worship, and I was sharing that with, with your pastor, I said, John, you know there's nowhere in the word worship that, it's, that worship means music or singing? Well, hear me out, because I believe in this. Believe me. In fact, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where they gathered together to listen to a group of people playing instruments or singing. I can't find it. It's kind of a new thing. You know, a new thing going back, I don't know, 17, 18, whatever it was. Everywhere I see the word worship in the New Testament, it has nothing to do with singing or musical instruments. In fact, the word worship in the New Testament speaks of an attitude of the heart. It means worthship. Jesus said where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is also. So giving of your time and your talent and your tithe is an indicator of the state of your heart. If you have a problem tithing, or you have a problem giving any of your money, or even going to church, where does your heart lie? It's an attitude of your heart. Worship is an attitude of your heart. The presence, what you're saying is, God, you're worth my time and effort. That's what you're saying to God. The fact that you're here today, the the, the moment you said this morning, I'm going to church. Okay, it's five degrees outside, but I'm going to church. You just worshiped God. Sitting here today, you're worshiping God. Why? It's an attitude of your heart. God was worth me being here today. The presence of a worship or music minister, or singing song, is kind of a more recent function of the church. And their function, their function, hopefully, is to give you an opportunity to express an attitude of your heart called worship. Now, th- this was tough for me to see in the word of God for this. I believe the Spirit of God said this because when, when it's 70, 1976 came back to the Lord, had decided, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go to church? I, I don't know where to go. And I felt the Spirit of God told me, somebody's going to come to you and tell you they're starting a church. And they were. They came, they mean, somebody told them, oh, I think that guy's a Christian. He said, would you like to come? And it, it started in a home and eventually got into a building. And guess what? I was the worship leader when I used to be able to sing. I find when you preach, your voice changes. And so I'd, I'd play my guitar, and I'd be singing, and man, I'm into it. But as Brian can tell you, and Mike can tell you, we stand up here, and I'll be honest with you, worship, or not, should say worship, well, what we do, we say, that brings us into focus. It's not. We're trying, and hopefully a lot of you are singing. I hear that's great, and I believe in it. I believe we're trying to get you to get that attitude of your heart. But honestly, when I'm in the back, people are back there picking their noses and scratching their butts and sleeping, and you know, they're not—they're not, they're not in one accord with us, and that's okay. That's—am I talking to you here? Don't look at the guy next to you. Come on. Is it important that we have worship? Well, we have singing, yeah, because they are trying to get your attitude right. Before the preaching of the word. But it wasn't a practice in the, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in the temple, yes, they would sing a psalm. And then they'd get the word. So for us, and I'm, this is for you too, Brian. When I stood up and I did worship, I get so aggravated because people were not in one accord. That's not going to bring us into one accord. The word of God brings us into one accord. You see how quiet you are now. I'm looking for somebody picking their nose or scratching their I don't see anybody. Because the Word of God unifies. The Spirit of God says, shh, listen. When we're singing, we're hoping we get you focused, but I'm beginning to realize by reading the Word of God that that is not, don't be upset about that if people are not singing, Brian. We're trying. We're going to try to bring them into unity. We're going to worship the Lord, and hopefully some of you are going to get it, but I'm not going to be upset if you're not getting it, and maybe you're not paying attention because you know what? I was the guy that sat in the back of the church with my cousin who was also a pastor and said, these people are nuts. They're all raising their hands, they're all singing, and we'd sit there and laugh at them. Here we're both pastors now. Is, Is this important? Absolutely. But it wasn't the most important thing to bring you into unity. It's the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. So I said, Lord, then what is? one of the top ones. You know what it was? Prayer. This is the most powerful tool that we as believers have when we gather together in one place, in one accord. And unfortunately, it's the most neglected in the churches today. Prayer. I thank God that you guys pray before service. But the whole body's supposed to be praying i'm not sure what that means to me just yet but we're going to be praying a lot more in unity and if you whether it's the end of the service to pray for the sick or it's a bidding we're going to pray a little bit longer why because I, i i i'm not always comfortable sometimes praying in a group but here is where i see god moving We saw in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 24 that they continued steadfastly in prayer. I don't know about you, but I want to see the Holy Spirit do what he did in the early church. And God can move in any place at any time, yes. When we gather together in one accord in one place, however, maybe... Maybe he'll move when we're singing and worshiping. And that's what I've been praying. Lord, we're worshiping you. And, and, and Lord, why can't you move? Because the spirit of God sent me because you're not all in one accord. Not everybody's together. You're trying and that's good. We should have worship. Thank God we have a worship leader. Thank God we're here. But that may not be worship. Because if the attitude of your heart is wrong, oh Lord, I love you, praise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your attitude's not there, but the word of God unifies us. Are you getting it? I'm not putting down singing. I was a worship leader. I know we need it. But we don't get upset because why aren't you worshiping? Well, there may be somebody with their hands raised and they're thinking about the turkey they got burning in the oven. Your attitude's not right. But we try to bring you into unity here. The prayer. Maybe he'll move while we're singing and worshiping. God can do anything he wants. Like I said, I do see a lot of people standing there or being entertained. Brian's not up here, and the team's not up here to entertain you. We're trying to get your attitude right with God, to bring us into one accord. It starts with that, but it's going to be unified with the Word of God. Where do I see God moving in the New Testament church? Glad you asked. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Didn't we just read this? What's it? No, we didn't. And being let go, this is when the two guys got let go who were in prison. They went to their own company. They went to their church where they gathered, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They're not singing here, and said, "Lord, Thou art God, which has made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that are there, and all that is in them." Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy son, holy child Jesus, whom they uh, hath anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were gathered together, For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined to do to be done. And now, Lord, they're praying. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that, that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal. That signs and wonders be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. They're praying in unity. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Been studying some of the great moves, the great awakening, the outpouring at Azusa Street, that they were praying in unity, in one accord. They've been unified by the word. They lifted up their voices in song, many worshiping, some not. But the word brought them into unity. And they prayed together. And when they prayed together, God moved. Does that mean we're all going to be in agreement when we pray together? No, but it only takes two. Even in the Old Testament, Solomon prayed at the dedication of the temple, God spoke. When they gathered together to choose a replacement for Judas, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, and they prayed. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 6, and when they had prayed, They gathered together to pray with one accord to choose seven men to send out to choose to serve the church. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 3, the church of Antioch prayed and were instructed by the Holy Spirit to separate Saul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. No voting, no opinions. The church needs to pray for the souls of men, for healing, deliverance, direction, and all that they do. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, the church prayed for direction as to who to ordain as pastors for the churches that they had established. Excuse me. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, it states that the church prayed without ceasing for the protection of Peter who was in prison. And the answer to that, the angels showed up, opened the prison doors, and rescued Peter from prison. Why? Because they were all in prayer. Prayer is one of the most powerful tools that the church has when it's in one accord in one place. How long do we pray? Five minutes, two minutes, an hour. I don't know. If the prayers of one righteous man makes tremendous power available, imagine the power available to a church that's given to earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer, James 5.16. Everywhere throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul exhorts in his letters for the church to pray. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying something to me every time I pray that the Holy Spirit move in our midst whenever, when we're singing, whatever, that we need to become a church who prays in agreement with faithful hearts, expecting that God will answer our prayers. I believe if we do what we're supposed to be doing and not necessarily what everybody else is doing, we're going to see the results a few churches see. Because I don't know about you, I don't like playing church. I don't think we've been playing church, but I know what the Spirit of God is saying to me is, Get the people unified with the Word of God, which we're doing, but also get them unified in prayer. So you may find us praying a little bit more during a service because I want to see people healed. I want to see people saved. I want to see people delivered. Together, with one accord, in one place, making the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God that tool that brings us to maturity and unity to gather in faithfulness, loyalty, allegiance, and discipline as a community, united to serve God, united to serve and love one another, understanding that a chair, a church who prays in faith in accordance with the Word of God will produce an atmosphere where God will move supernaturally to add to the church daily. He will add many as should be saved, healed, delivered, and established. In Jesus' name. What does that mean, Pastor? I don't know specifically. I know one thing. We're starting a prayer chain. We'll have a thing out. Maybe not this, but next week. You will be part of a prayer chain. We're praying in unity for, we have a couple of leaders in this church or in the hospital. And prayer is going to change things. I, I know when I pray for them, I expect results. But imagine if we're all praying together. I don't care if there's 10 people on that prayer chain. We, we pray during worship, I think that's good, but I have a feeling I'm going to start praying more after the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. The problem with that is, and I've heard it say, well, people like to leave, well, then leave. But the people that want to stay and pray for the sick and see great things happen, praise God. And I said, Lord, I don't want to speak this out if this is, this is wrong. I'd rather have you me drop dead at the pulpit speaking something, I want to do what's right. And I believe this is what the Spirit of God is saying. We need to be in one accord under the preaching of the Word of God. Get here to hear the Word of God. And it will bring you into unity in one place. Don't go here, there, and in it. one place. Your place. This is my church. One thing, right, friend, we were taught. Fran and I went to the same church for years. We were taught allegiance. We were taught faithfulness, loyalty. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God. As this message continues, there are characteristics we need. Faithfulness. Who is the faithful servant? It's in the word of God. I want to be a faithful pastor. I don't, I don't want to be preaching here and there. This is where God has called. Yeah, I'll get invited out every now and then. This is my heart. You're my people. Whether you be two or 10,000, it doesn't matter. I pray that the word that I preach will bring us into unity. What do you mean unity? One, we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Number two, we believe the Father created all the heavens and earth. He loves us. His love is, is boundless. We can't explain his love. It's just beyond our understanding. He doesn't keep account of wrong. He just loves us. And Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, who's here today, to great and mighty things. He's the, he is God operating on this earth today, and we need to recognize him. We need to have people hungry in this church that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that want to pray in other tongues. I want the power of God when they on, lay hands on the sick they're healed we went out I guess what? not Friday night I saw Smith Wigglesworth in operation we were sitting at a table eating somewhere we were, Mike's on our board and they're good friends and we were having dinner together and they overheard us I mentioned something about Billy Graham and they said are you guys Christians and we said yes so they started talking about their church, and they've been around a long time up in Strasbourg somewhere. And before we left, they said, let's all get together and pray. Man, that took guts. I don't know if I could do that or not. In a restaurant. And they had us all join hands. Well, maybe six of us, eight of us. And the girl says, I'm going to sing the blessing. Praise God from whom all bless. Right, was that the song? And, we're all, and I'm sitting there going, praise God. And I'll tell you, you could hear a pin drop in that restaurant. It went from glasses ding and people talking. I was in dead silence. We all said amen and we all walked out. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Smith Wigglesworth, you don't know who he is. He would do that. He'd go sit there and eat and he said, I'm going to pray for my meal. Let's all pray. I don't know if I'm going to get that bold, but I'll tell you one thing. I want the power of God like that. To be bold if anybody's going to say anything about this church is going to say god moves and god moves all the time folks don't expect feelings you can get those but he moves in everybody's heart expect good things expect good things and when you come come faithfully loyally allegiantly if that's a word coming to submit to what the god what god wants to do here and I will do my best to unify you guys by the preaching and the teaching word. and Brian, as long as he's a worship leader here, he's going to do everything he can to bring us into one accord, so the attitude of our heart is right before we receive the word of God. that God's about to do some great things. Visitation, demonstration and separation. Choose this day whom you will serve. Amen. Every head bar every eye closed. Wow, I got done, Brian. I didn't think I was going to get done in this short of time. If you're here today, you know what? Let's all pray. Everybody bow their heads. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we come before you. And Lord, I know, and I know at least 5 or 10, 20, 30 other people in this room that agree with me, that Holy Spirit, we want you to move in our midst. We want you to prick the hearts of the unsaved. Touch the hearts of people who believe you're fake or not real. We pray in the name of Jesus that sicknesses will be healed, diseases will go, devils will leave screaming, and people will come here because God sent them here and they'll be faithful here. Lord, add to your church daily as many should be saved. And Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus that if there's anyone in this room that has never made you Lord and Savior Jesus, touch their hearts right now. I bind every hindrance in the name of Jesus. Every preconceived notion about God destroyed. And I pray in the name of Jesus for their soul. Because, Lord, they will stand before God and give an account. And I pray that in this church, maybe they make the decision, Lord, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that every person that comes in this room will feel the presence of God. Lord, because they need it. We may not need it, but they do. They need to feel the presence of God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you strengthen this body, that no hindrance, no division can come in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment, that shall condemn. This is the house of God. This is where miracles will occur. This is where the Spirit of God has free reign to move. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for all that you've given us this day. I thank you, Lord God, that great things will take place because it's your desire to save. It's your desire to heal, set men and women free. Now I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I need your help. If there's anyone in this room that has never opened their heart and said, I am a sinner. And nothing I can do can save me. I pray, Lord God, that you open their hearts, open their minds, that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they will understand they cannot get to heaven without Jesus. Lord, soften their hearts. I pray in Jesus' name that every person that walks in this building will love you more and more each week. Father, I pray if there's anyone here, that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that's never opened their heart to you, that today they will. We're going to say a prayer as a body. Some even may be praying it for the first time. But let's all pray together. It's a time for you to receive Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin, because only His forgiveness is what can save you. Don't worry about all the other stuff. The Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you about a life that's pleasing to Him. But stop thinking that you're not good enough. Or God doesn't love you. You've done something stupid. Listen, He's there waiting for you to open your heart to Him. So we're going to say this prayer. Some of you may be saying it for the first time. Some may be saying it to reconfirm your faith. Some are saying it because you walked away and now you're coming back to God. Let's pray together very loudly. Father, I believe it all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. His death on the cross was him being punished for my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I thank you with all my heart. I want to know you. How much you love me. How much you love me to die in my place. Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Today I'm saved because I believe in what you've done. From this day forward, I belong to you. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name.